Well, good morning, West Bowles Community Church. So good to have you here. Uh, my name is David Perez. I'm the youth director. And whether you are tuning in online or here in person, we're so glad to have you as a part of this community. Uh, is Brett, are Brett and Emily here? They're not. I um, just want to tell Brett, Tom Brady always. Okay, I don't like the guy, but always, okay? I, I, learn, I always learn the hard way. Um, well, last week... Uh, Pastor Nathan kicked it off, and we started talking about this idea of getting ready for church. And he talked to us about how oftentimes we see our faith as something that is just purely individual. Like, it's all about this relationship right here, and that's the only relationship that there is. And while our relationship with our Heavenly Father is important, while our individual faith is important, it's not the only thing. He told us that, you know what, no, there's more. Our faith is actually not just individual, it's also communal. It's meant to be lived in community. That there is this body, this church that Christ had in mind. And we're meant to live that way. Our faith is meant to be together. And so he kicked us off by saying, well, if we're going to truly be ready for church, if we're really going to be ready to be a body, to be a community, well, there's a few things that he has to empty us of. And so we walked through the Beatitudes. We walked through the Beatitudes and he said, these are some of the things that God has got to pull out. And that's actually what we're going to pick up this week. Nathan talked about the emptying. This week I'm going to talk about, well, what does God fill us with? Now that we've been emptied, what does he fill us with so that we can be ready for church, so we can be ready to live this faith out as a community. So I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to hop right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Uh, thank you for just, again, the opportunity for us to get together in person and online, Lord, as a church family. Lord, I just pray this morning that um, as I speak, that it may be your words and not mine. Lord, get me out of the way, and uh, Lord, open hearts and ears. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I really resonated with that opening. We don't have kids, but that opening scene where Brett is reaching for his phone, trying to turn off the alarm, that's me. Okay, Every, every morning, I do not like my alarm. And in fact, I'm the guy that reaches over, grabs his phone, and hits snooze about 25 times. Anyone else a snoozer in here? All right, a few more. All right, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, I hit the snooze button. And what tends to happen is Monday morning, my alarm goes off, and I'm like, okay. Tuesday morning, a little more frustration. Wednesday, I don't want to hear it. Thursday, I feel like this in my stomach in the pit of my stomach, like an, almost an anger welling up with the alarm, okay? By the time Sunday comes around, I do not want to hear that noise, okay? I'm like mad at the noise. Um, my iPhone, just the alarm noise is so obnoxious. And here's the thing, if you've got an Android, I can only imagine that your alarm noise is about 10 times more obnoxious, okay? Um, I'm a big iPhone fan, so, so Androids, I'm sure, are just infinitely worse. In fact, if you've seen the movie Dumb and Dumber, um, you know, Harry and Lloyd, they're, they're in the car, and, and Lloyd looks over, Jim Carrey's character, and he looks and he says, you want to hear the most annoying noise in the world, and he lets out the screech. That's what I picture Android alarms are like, okay? Um, no, but whether you have an iPhone or Android, I think we can all resonate with the fact that by the time Sunday comes, a lot of us are tired. And we're just, we're tired. And I think it's more than just this physical tired. Because if it was just the physical tired... All we would need was the weekend, some extra time sleeping in, and we would be entirely, completely refreshed. We'd be ready to go for the week every single time. 
Now, don't hear me saying that physical rest is not important because it is. In fact, God commands it. It's one of the commandments. We're called to take a Sabbath. We're called to take a rest. But that's a sermon for another time. That, that in itself could probably fill an entire series. But the rest I want to talk about is, is a much deeper rest. The tired that we feel, I believe, is a much deeper tired. In fact, I think the tired that many of us experience is the tired of our entire being. It's like our souls are tired. It's like we're exhausted to our core. And as, as life progresses... As technology progresses, as we get busier and busier and busier, I think we get more tired, more exhausted, and at a deeper level. And Jesus actually speaks to this. He speaks to this tired, this deeper sense of tired. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to pick it up in verse 25, and we're going to spend the rest of the morning in this chunk of Scripture. So, Matthew 11, verse 25 says this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, before we get to the rest, there's a few things we have to talk about. One, Jesus mentions this yoke. Oftentimes when we read this passage in Scripture or other passages in Scripture, we hear the word yoke. We, we instantly picture this device that links these two animals together, and they're, they're in unison plowing a field or doing some kind of work. And yes, that type of yoke was used quite frequently in Scripture, and a lot in those days. In fact, if, if you look hard enough, you could probably still find some instances of this yoke being used here. But... This type of yoke where two animals are bound together is actually not the yoke that Jesus is talking about here in this passage of Scripture. He's actually referencing a singular yoke. And more importantly, a yoke that was actually carried by people. So when he talks about this yoke, this yoke, put my yoke upon you, he's talking about the singular yoke that was used to make work easier, make it more efficient, make it lighter. Two, two, the next thing we need to talk about is before we get to the rest, before we figure out what Christ's yoke is, we need to look at our own yoke. We need to look at the things that we carry, the things that are burdening us, that are exhausting us, that are making us so tired. Now that's what this wheelbarrow is for. This, this morning is going to represent our yoke. And in just a few minutes, we're going to fill it with some of the things that exhaust us. And if I were to give us in one word, one summation of of the, the thing that exhausts us the most, it would be this word right here, striving. Striving. You see, to strive for something 
It's not a bad thing. In fact, it's good for us to strive. We teach our kids, we want you to strive for excellence. We want you to strive to be the best that you can be. About 10 years ago, I worked at a um, healthcare company called Apria Healthcare. They do awesome work, and I worked in customer service. And part of their saying, which I'm going to recite for you guys in a second, and I was made fun of constantly for how I greeted people, okay? You'll, you'll hear it in a second. Part of that saying was striving. So it would go like this. Good morning. Thank you for choosing Apria Healthcare, where we strive for five. My name is David Perez in customer service. How may I assist you? And I'd say it with that same smile. I just couldn't help it, Okay. But within that, we talk about striving for five, this, this striving for excellence, and that's a good thing. Right? It's good for us. But where we get in trouble is where we strive on our own strength. When we strive for so many things and so much in life on our own strength, that's where we get exhausted. That's where we get into trouble. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about A few of the things that we're striving for on our own strength that are exhausting every single one of us to our being, to the core of our being. So the first thing, the first thing that I believe exhausts us is when we strive for control. Okay, we as people strive to control everything in our lives. I mean, just think about it, okay? If you look at your phone... You can control just about everything from that little device. I can control the temperature in my house. If you've got a really fancy car, you can control if your car starts or stops. But we strive to control every circumstance, every outcome, every possible situation in our lives. It's just something that we feel the need for. If you don't believe me, look at this last year. Look at COVID. If there's anything that COVID did, is it took away all sense of control. We were so used to planning months away, weeks away, days away. But this last year, we haven't been able to plan a month away. We haven't been able to plan weeks away. We haven't even been able to plan a day away. And if you're anything like me, that's driven you crazy. My goodness gracious, it has made this year so difficult to not be able to plan, to not be able to look ahead. And when you boil that down, that's, that's because we can't control it. We strive, we want so badly to control the things in our life. And we will work very hard, very hard to control them. The second thing we strive for, we strive to show people that we're good enough. We strive to exceed the expectations of those around us and show people that we are good enough. Now, as you can see, I know from from that angle on this stage, I look at least six feet tall, okay? But I'm not. Five, six. My brother's actually six foot, and growing up as a kid, I thought I was going to be six feet tall, um, but he got all the the height. I did not get that height. So growing up as as a short kid, and not only a short kid, but if you don't know this about me, I actually was a very heavy set kid growing up. And so when you grow up short, heavy set, you got some insecurities. And so you, I remember as a kid feeling like I needed to prove myself to everyone. Feeling like I needed to show people that I could exceed their expectations of me. Feeling like I could say, I am more than what you think of me. 
And that's not something that goes away. That's something that follows you into an adult. And so as I've grown up, as I've walked my adult life, that chip on my shoulder, it's still there. That need to prove, that, that striving to prove to everyone that I'm good enough, it's there. There are days where I feel like I need to strive and prove that I'm a good husband. That I need to prove that I'm a good enough son. That I need to prove that I'm a good enough sibling. I need to prove that I'm a good enough pastor and friend. And I think that's true for all of us. See, a lot of us are striving to prove to those around us that we're good enough. That we're good at what we do. And I think sometimes we need to prove it to ourselves. And I think that leads right into, right into this next thing that we strive for. And actually, I think it feeds off it because once we strive long enough to be good enough, it leads into the striving for perfection. You see, as people, we strive to be perfect. Just look at the culture around you. Think about it. Every time you take a selfie, every time you take a picture, how have you got to look? Perfect. Every time we get ready to go somewhere public, every time we get ready for church even, we've got to look just right. We have to look presentable. We've got to look perfect. I even think about myself when we take pictures. No joke, you'll see pictures of me and I'm always like this. Why? Because every time I look down, I got this double chin that's kind of started happening, okay? No one likes seeing a double chin in pictures, but it's even within myself. I have to lift my head up because I feel like I've got to look perfect. And it's the message that we're getting when we look around us. It's the message that our kids are getting right here with these things. Because anywhere you go, everywhere you go, someone, someone could be filming, someone's recording, someone's watching, and so you've got to look your best. You absolutely have to, and you've got to be at your best. We all feel that need to get it perfect to get it right. I mean, if I'm being transparent and honest, even as I was planning the sermon, man, I felt that need. I've got I've to get every word perfect. I've got to say exactly what I've been practicing and what I've, what I've been writing. It's got to be perfect. And we feel that need, whether it's the need to be a perfect spouse, a perfect sibling, a perfect worker, a perfect boss, whatever. Not only that, but when we look back, that's what the law demanded. When we look back at the law, it demanded perfection, complete righteousness. Now, not only are we striving for those things, and those are some of the things that tire us, but then you throw on top of all of this the burdens of life. You throw on the stress of finances and marriage and kids, and you throw on the stress of schoolwork and having to figure out what you're going to do with your life, and then sickness and death. All of a sudden, it becomes too much to carry. You see, you might be able to carry this yoke for a little bit of time on your own strength. You might be able to carry the burdens of this life for a small period of time, for maybe even a season, on your own strength, but eventually 
it's going to be too heavy. Eventually, this thing is going to be impossible to move. But Jesus offers us something better. We read again. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus offers us rest. And you see, if this wheelbarrow filled with books signifies or is a metaphor for our yoke, the yoke we're carrying, the weight of our burdens and the stress of this life and all the strivings that we have, then this represents Christ's yoke. Because his yoke is a relationship with him. His yoke is knowing him. And while at first glance, this yoke, yeah, there's more in it. There seems to be more in it. It seems to be fuller. It's definitely heavier. But this yoke right here is richer, is fuller, is better in every single sense of those words. And not only is his yoke full of life, but it's restful for our souls. It's restful for our entire being. And he's the only one that can give it. He's the only one that can give rest for our souls. You see so many other people, books, self-help gurus, so many other people around us might say, I can give you rest. I can offer you rest. But they can't offer the rest for our souls. You see, only Christ can give us that deep, refreshing, life-giving rest. He tells us in the verses before, he says this, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Other translation says, all authority has been given to me. In other words, Jesus being fully God is the only one who can give rest. He's the only one who can give our souls what they need. The only one that could die and raise again. The only one that can forgive sins because he's God. So how do we get that rest? How do we get there? Well, he tells us, he walks us through it. First, he says, come to me. Come to me. First thing we have to do is we've got to go to him. And that looks like prayer, reading our scriptures, taking time in quiet and solitude with him, getting to know him and letting him get to know you at that deeper level. But we've got to go to him first. He continues, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Once we go to him, the next thing we have to do is we have to take his yoke. But in order to take his yoke, we have to let go of ours. 
we have to let go of the yoke we're carrying around. We have to let go of trying to strive and carry the burdens of this life on our own. And it's only once we let go of this that we can then take his yoke upon us. And his yoke is not just restful, but it's, it's also living life like he's called us to. It's also following him, following his teachings, what he wants us to do, how he guides us. But the beautiful thing is that's not on our own. It's, we're not responsible to figure out what does it look like to live like Christ? What does it look like to live like Jesus has called me to, has called us to? It's not up to us to figure that out because he tells us right here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You see, he says he'll teach us. He says, he says he'll show us what it looks like to live like him. And not only that, but he's the one that gives us the strength to live like he's called. He's the one that gives us what we need. And so we no longer have to figure out, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? No, he teaches us. And here's the beautiful thing about learning is that learning's not an instant process. If you remember back, go back to school. Some of you are still in school. Think back to school. How many things did you learn instantly? One or two. How many things did it take two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times to learn? Maybe, that, maybe that's just me. I'm a little hard-headed. But the learning process is not instant. It takes time. It takes patience. And you know what? In teaching us, he's patient with us. He takes time with us. He knows we're not always going to get it right. He knows sometimes we're going to get it wrong and sometimes horribly wrong. But he's still going to teach us. He's still going to walk with us. He's still going to show us. And then notice how he finishes it. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If we go to him, leave our burdens, leave our yoke behind and take his, learn from him. He will give us rest for our souls. Doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't that sound refreshing and filling? And here's the beautiful thing is that in Christ, in Christ, we're reminded that we no longer have to strive to be perfect. We no longer have to strive to be perfect because he was perfect for us. Because we could never possibly be perfect. Yet he went up and died on a cross for you and for me, rose from the dead. And now when the father sees us, you know what he sees? Righteous. He sees because of Christ, perfect. In Christ, we're reminded that we no longer have to try to measure up, that we no longer have to try to convince other people or even ourselves that we're good enough. Because you know what? You were worth it. And not just worth it, you were worth it all to him. You were worth everything. So much so that he'd go up 
and die on a cross. In Christ, we're reminded that we no longer have to control everything in this life because he's in control. And who better to have in control than God? Who better to have in control than the one who promised us he will care for us and take care of our needs? In Christ, we're reminded that we no longer have to carry our burdens, the stresses, the worries, the pains, the heartaches of this life alone. We're reminded that he will always be with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. Doesn't that sound restful? Doesn't that sound filling? You see, if we come to him, take his yoke, learn from him, he will give us rest for our souls. That's filling. That is so truly filling. So that's where we're going to pick up next week because it's only once we're filled with that rest, it's only once we're filled with him that we are able to live as a body, that we're able to be ready for church and walk out this life, live communally like he's called us to. And so next week, I'm very excited to share. Now that we're emptied, now that we're filled and rested, what's that next step? I'm so excited to share that with you guys, but for this week, Find rest for your souls. Go to him. Take his yoke. Leave yours behind. Let him teach you. Find that rest for your soul. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to uh, ask the worship team to come back up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Thank you again for the opportunity for us to come together as a family, Lord, as a church, as a community. Lord, I pray this week... As we go about our lives, Lord, you know what's going on in each and every single person's life in here. You know the stresses, the worries, the burdens, the heartaches, the pains. Lord, you know the things that we've been striving for so hard on our own strength. Lord, you know the things that are tiring us and exhausting us. Lord, I pray that this week that we come to you, that we lay that yoke aside and we take upon yours. Lord, teach us, come alongside us. Lord, give us that rest for our souls that so many of us need. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.